Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody, disgusting network. The passage of time will now bring you to something strange, unique, and idiosyncratic. Have a good time. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. Do you want to die, Sydney? It's your turn to scream, asshole. From the streets of Woodsboro. Back to the streets of Woodsboro. We are Halloweenies! Greetings and welcome back yet again to Halloweenies, a horror franchise podcast, or more specifically, Halloweenies, a Scream podcast. That's right, we are back to talk more about Scream 6. So I guess you could call this Scream 6 Part 2. Use Roman, Roman numerals if you want to. Who ca- they didn't even use Roman numerals for the fifth movie, no, they just called it Scream. Who cares? You know what's going on here. <laughs> Hopefully you listen to our first episode that's out there on your feeds. This episode we're going to be talking about the characters, the cast itself. We're going to be talking about our favorite kills, the graphics, the many, many references before we wind up giving our final thoughts, including... Do we, are we doing not... Is it, is it five ghost face masks or is it five remember. knives? I think it was Ghostface Masks, right? It's Ghostface Masks. You know, this, this is te- we're technically talking about a, a you know, reboot, requel franchise, so there are no more rules. We can do whatever we want with this one, I think. So uh, maybe we'll come well, to that but, conclusion well, at the let, end. But let's just make it Ghostface Masks and just do what we've done uh, already. Because <laughs> I think that's kidding. a good point. I'm and just kidding. By the way, I should mention that this is uh, Roger L. Justin Gerber, one of your co-hosts. <laughs> let's go around really quickly here. You heard his voice earlier. Coming in all the way from one of those sweet, sweet bodegas. <laughs> In New York's in New York itself, and who is this? Uh, this is Dan, the guy behind the counter with the shotgun who gets brutally murdered by Ghostface Caffrey. Uh, oh, my condolences to your wife and child. And who yeah, else do we have yeah. in this episode? Uh, we've got, what can I say? He's my brother. This is Wolfman Mac, uh, featured in the subway sequence of uh, Scream 6. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's official. I, uh, Mac, you need to find it, that picture and make official. that your... I, I, didn't, I didn't know if I could say it, but I actually talked to the guys and they said, you know, you can say you were, in fact, uh, the Wolfman in the subway sequence. The, uh, nobody can prove Mont- it. Film, the, filmed in Montreal, though. Did you get a crew jacket? I did. I did. Oh. It's really cool. Check Very it out. Very cool. Very cool. It's cool. If you look at the back of the jacket, it says Scream, and then in the M... It's like Roman numeral VI. It's Roman numeral, yeah, yeah. Pretty cool. But I told them that was kind of confusing because with Five Cream, uh, it simply said Scream. Mm -hmm. They forgot to do the red in the V. Well, remember initially they had that Scream double exclamation points that if you look at it a certain way, it says six. I enjoy that bit, but it's also extraordinarily confusing. (laughs) Um, Somebody who's been asking questions already in this episode, uh, the maestro himself, who is it? Hey, this is Michael Takes Montreal, uh, Rothman, uh, ready to talk more Scream, sp- specifically Scream Splatter, too. Mm, that's um, like. Yeah, or should I say Scream 6? Scream V6. Scream V1? Yeah, Scream 6. Or, or VI in some cases. Yeah. Depends on how you want to look at it. Or, or read v, it. Or, Robert England. Yeah, if you, if you don't recognize Rome, for that matter. And, of course, you know where he's calling in from. 
South Chicago. Who is it? I'm actually closer to one of uh, Dan's bodegas <laughs> than the city of Chicago. This is Abe Snake Vanderbilt. There you go. I like this. And then, of course, um, our pizzas are behind us. I'm sure everybody definitely remembers that running bit from the first episode on this where we're all eating pizza and drinking, what do you call it, like a, like a fat root beer or a fat Dr. Pepper? Yeah, Somebody made that bit? Fat root beer. Fat root beer. If, if Barks or anybody wants to sponsor us, please reach out. I'll be happy to, to pimp your product. Hashtag pimp your product. I think Barks root beer might have been the last thing that uh, Kurt Cobain drank. I remember reading well, on that, that note, uh, speaking of everybody's a suspect, let's move on to our first category, everybody's a suspect. He's got killer printed all over his forehead. Okay. Really? Why'd the cops let him go, smart guy? Because obviously they don't watch enough movies. This is standard horror movie stuff. Prom night revisited, man. Okay, we're going to talk about the characters, uh, the cast of Scream 6 here. What better way to start off than with the core four? Believe it or not, we've talked about them quite a lot already in our first episode. <laughs> but why not continue on with the character of Sam Carpenter, played by Melissa Barrera? Mac, you mentioned in our first episode how you actually were more, you felt that this character was more compelling than the character was in the fifth movie. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, I felt like she, even though it was very much an ensemble, it felt like she was the actual lead of this movie. Like she was carrying mm. a lot of the movie. And I really, yeah. really love that for her because I think being able to build off of her, the development in Five Cream I think she really ran with it, and I was really into that because, again, it just made me double down on this new cast in a way I did not think I would be. And I think you kind of needed to do that, especially if you weren't going to have Sydney come back. All eyes are really are on you, you know what I mean? Like Sam really was, you know, Sam and Tara, I guess. But, um, yeah, I, was, I, I really enjoyed her performance. Uh, I think she just had some more interesting things to do and tackle in this film, yeah. You know what it was also with her is... And I know they pulled the punches with a lot of people surviving. And we haven't mentioned this yet, but I feel like this movie does not fall into the hashtag hug me horror that permeates the genre today. No. Because there's a moment where it could have happened. Because at the very end, when Sam is making that speech to Papa Death, and it's saying how I'm better than that, I'm not a killer, this and that, and then Tara gives her the look, and then she just goes buck wild with the I knife. I thought that was, was great. fantastic. Do you think that that is what they're talking about with the tagline? Because she does have the mask on and is Ghostface at one point. Oh my God. What do you mean? Wait, right, what do you mean? So, like, wait a different? minute. That's a good point, Mac. No, fuck well, That's not what that, they meant, though. Like, that's not what they well, meant. Well, I mean, like, maybe that was a line she said, but they cut it because they didn't like the way it sounded or whatever. I don't know. Because, I don't know, of, what, I don't because know. of how they go back on that when she drops the mask so, later on. That would be such a cheat if she wasn't in the costume. For well, the here's my. This is that's what would perhaps it's a good time that. for me to drop my theory that I mentioned in the last episode. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you look back at how this has been paralleling the original trilogy, right? So mm -hmm. the first one, you have the boyfriend and someone who's also similarly obsessed with horror movies, just like Richie. Oh, and, uh, here we go. And here you have the subversion that's just like the parent. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with Mrs. Loomis and Mr. Ritchie or whatever his name is. Um, <laughs> and then the third one, who is the third one? Roman is a sibling. Now, mm -hmm. who have they been hinting Roman. in this entire time as being the killer or could be the killer? It's Sam. the sibling, Sam. So here's my theory. 
And this is where I would see the sequel going that I think would be cool. And again, again this is a dangerous precedent because as we saw, I, I was expecting cults and I didn't get cults and I was a little d- d- disappointed. So maybe, you know, seven doesn't go here. I have to say that I will not be disappointed if it doesn't go here, but this could be cool. What if the real fucking 180 that they do in the next one, and they kind of hint at it in this one at the opening, is we see it from the point of view of Ghostface. And it's actually Sam and perhaps even possibly even Tara, Tara, who are Mm. they're the point of view and you see them enacting the kills. And it's, you know, it's it's the other side of it all because that's never been done. And, you know, and that's that could be a way to do it. And, hey, you could even throw in some fucking heat ass action there. You get, you know, some cops on the other side and you see the two sides of the whole thing. You know, they're meeting up at coffee shops talking about how they're going to kill people. And then you get over and then you get a, you know, a cop that's like on their their tail a little bit. And it's like, hey, Sam, I know that you're the killer or something like that. You know, and they meet up and it's like, want to get a cup of coffee or something, you know. But I that was what I was going through my head is that maybe we're sitting here waiting for this huge game changing thing. But the Halloween ends is actually going to be in seven. And that's what they do. I don't know. That's a theory. You know, love love the theory, but I think that the Radio Sounds guys are going to continue playing it too safe. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it would be a cool idea. Obviously, Mike, I do agree with that. But what's funny is that this plot that you're talking about reminds me of a little film called Relentless 2, <laughs> in which the survivor from Relentless, the little kid, grows up to become a serial killer because he's so screwed up by the actions of Judd Nelson. Now, I bring that up for a couple reasons, because guess who directed Relentless, the first one? Michael Schroeder. Oh, no. I'm sorry. He directed Relentless, too. But who directed the first one? Who also directed Maniac Cop. We've got a great episode of Maniac Cop if you check out our patreon.com backslash Halloweenies pod. But so I'm saying it would not be unheard of. It would be funny, though, if they did that, Mike, and then they're like... Oh, what's the big horror reference here? Like, oh, of course, Dead On Relentless 2 with Leo Rossi <laughs> of Halloween 2 fame and Maniac well, Cop 2 fame. Well, here's something cool is if... Uh, I, I like that idea, Mike. I wish at the end, instead of dropping the mask, she just put it in the bag. So we're kind of left to be mm. like, is she now still yeah. leaning forward towards like the Billy stuff? But that to me signified that she wasn't. They're just like a really cool pair that's going to fight this evil, right? Well, hey. However, Peter uh, Parker dropped his mask in part two of Spider-Man. He comes <laughs> true, back yeah, uh, to fight Doc right. Ock, so Fuck you yeah. never know. Fuck yeah. But what I wanted to say was, <laughs> what if the next movie starts pretty much like this movie? Because they do they ever, do the family ever own up to killing, oh, they do, don't they? To killing the two guys in the very beginning? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wish they didn't. I wish the reveal in the next one was that it was Sam. I wish they at some point they're like, yeah, we didn't have anything to do with that. I don't know. Because then you know there's another Ghostface out there killing Ghostface, right? And that would have been cool too, but that's thinking way too far ahead. Or maybe they go to the sheriff for the mayor and are like, all right, so we've got six bodies accounted for these killers, this family of killers. Well, wait a second. If they killed those six people, then who killed the two people in the beginning or whatever? And then it fades over and it sees Sam just sitting there with a cup of coffee or something like that. This is the old Sam Sam pull a a, a latex mask off and it's Tom Cruise. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Well, that'd be pretty great, actually. Tom Cruise would kill him. I'd love Tom Cruise's stream. When we follow the. um, Speaking of Spider Man, Flash Thompson, right? From from Spider Man in the beginning. That's the only time. I think in any of the Scream franchise where we 
follow the killer actually doing his thing yes. um, before before they're revealed. Before and we revealed should have actually talked yeah. about him in the ghost face section. I forgot there really are when you think about it. Like five, four or five ghost faces. Five ghost faces, yeah. 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 We'll talk about them later on, though. Yeah. Um, anything else to add about Sam, though, about the character or even the performance itself? Or can we move on? I, to... Maybe it's because the expectations already set that she was going to probably see Billy in the mirror. I almost felt like she resembled Skeet Ulrich more in both look and demeanor in this, which I liked a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I, I felt that coming out a lot more in this one. Then yeah. um, we get to see her. And that psychiatrist, I didn't even realize, is the uh, he's the pastor in the ice storm he's the creepy pastor so um yeah. the great Hermes journey from clear and present danger and yeah. from uh um, mission possible mission with possible. our boy tom with, with uh christina ritchie the original wednesday and now he's in the movie with the new wednesday i'm so Who happy for everybody in wednesday's yeah. success as well <laughs> yeah. really happy for tim burton one i do have to ask the four of you this core four a question we were kind of going back and forth about this about is billy a ghost or is billy in her head no, so let's, her let's head. reconvene on this I am still saying Billy is in her head. I agree. Mike Rothman. God damn it. Um, go to someone else first. I need to see if I even out the even out the votes here. Dan, you, you and I are on the same page here. <laughs> yeah, man. It's um Yeah, and I will say, I'm still glad they rescue Elric back, man. They keep obscuring him more and more. Uh, yeah. Not because he looks but he's just older now. It's hard to yeah. make him look like like Billy. Yeah. It is a it is a treat. I I do mean that to see him back after no, it is. It is twenty-five real. years. In a fun, dumb way. And I mean that affectionately, by the way. Uh, Vanderbilt, ghost? I just want... I just wanted to be a ghost. <laughs> I know. <laughs> For the love of God, this is the sixth film. It, Friday the 13th, it goes full-on supernatural at this point. I know, I know, I know. Please. And Halloween at one point is supernatural. Please. I'm kidding. <laughs> like well, they brought Colts in Halloween 6. This is they could have done here. That's yeah. true. You know what? Actually, yeah, it's not full on supernatural till now, Halloween. Mac, infamously, uh, infamously is unfair. Infamously would be like saying, like talking about Creed's success, how infamous that was. But Mac famously said that in the fifth movie, during the final confrontation, when Sam looks in the mirror, she sees Billy, and apparently Billy you know, like does a little nod towards the curtain, and then the curtain there's a knife. So Mac therefore posited that this must be a ghost because the spirit of Billy. Showed her what to do. So, Matt, you, you said so. Let me ask you a question. That is oh. full proof. That is full blown proof that he is a ghost. And just because he's not doing ghost things in this movie doesn't mean he's not a ghost. So you are look, still look, saying you it's think a ghost. you think they're they're going to lean on her being like mentally unstable and seeing this? No, they're gonna they're gonna definitely move away from that because they don't want to say that. So it's got to be a ghost. What Mac is saying because of the guilt of of. of awfully boring discourse on Twitter, which I understand, uh, that this is Gabby a ghost. She cannot possibly have any um, problems with her brain, is what you're saying. And I well, really just say this just because I want, I want ghosts to... I want two, two ghosties in the next one okay. going after everybody. Hey, Justin, I want to Please. ask you a quick question. Uh, what is the name of the killer in the Scream franchise? Uh, oh, I see what you're doing here. Ghost. Ghost face. Well, mm, so I think that much like Roman Bridger, Kevin Williamson always had this in mind that they would eventually be a real. Twenty-seven ghost. years later, he said, "This is my this is my long game." This was the un, this was the four, five, six I didn't get to make. Well, there is that deleted scene from Scream Five where uh, Sam asks, uh, you know, Skeet or should I say Billy, what's it like to die? And Billy goes, <laughs> "Like being born, only backwards." And I. 
I remember I didn't go where I was supposed to go. I, I just stayed behind so my daughter wouldn't be lonely. And, and it's a really touching moment. And then, you know, the piano starts playing and um, it, I don't know. I, I, I kind of wish they would have kept it in the movie, but I understand mm. why they really didn't. They took it out because they didn't want to prove definitively that it's a ghost. But there was also another funny scene where, uh, you well, know, Mike, doesn't Sam line, wakes up that, that and Billy makes a whole breakfast for her and, you know. And, 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 you know, it's really cute. It's fun. Now, it, what was funny about that, though, is that, of course, was that whole line was a reference to something else, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a reference to Universal's 1995 ghost adventure, Casper. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it could have been, it could have been, you know, part of this. So It would have been a little too on the nose, of course, because of, you know, who was the star of Casper besides our boy, Devin Sawa. Yeah, it would be uh, Christina Ricci, the original. And, of course, Wednesday. Christina Ricci, or Wednesday, that's right, mm-hmm. Jenna Ortega, who plays Wednesday on Netflix's... Uh, Wednesday. Speaking of, real, real quick, a real side, real before we get to Jenna Ortega. Have any of you seen that that sequence in Wednesday where she does that dance? Oh God! <laughs> I mean, you gotta yeah. see this. I, you I actually have seen it. I, 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 I actually haven't. I know what it is, but I haven't oh, seen it. If you guys have oh, access to our mercy. Instagram, you absolutely have seen it because I went on a downward spiral where oh, all I God. kept looking for were reels of that to see how stupid people did the dances. So every time Ugh. you logged into our Instagram, you would see like seven different dances for it. It's gotten to the point where, well, uh, yeah, it's not good. That's when I was, well, I was I like, you know, I'm too two, old for this Twitter. I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm done. Two, two of the dances that I've seen that really stuck with me was... Uh, Amanda Gorman doing it like months months after it was, it was oh, famous, yeah. and then also uh, the there's an underwater uh, version, mm. which I was which took a lot of practice mm. to do that. Those, so those two were like, wow. Mm. Well, well I'm know, looking she- forward to seeing what I, you know. I have a feeling that season two of Wednesday we're going to get an ensemble dance and maybe they'll mirror the first dance but i'm looking forward to look i'll say this I, I watched the first episode wednesday i thought it was pretty good i haven't it's watched it did you see actually, the dance? that was good it's yeah. i saw the I, dance I, when it happened and it was you know when it happened this is more of a commentary <laughs> on <laughs> the public reaction to these dances that have actually nothing to do with the rest of the story but yes. that yeah. it becomes you know, like a monster in itself but well, it, look it's a meme culture and i appreciate it it's fine of course whatever. it's like in like you know like, like in megan when they really need that scene where she's dancing oh, in the hallway for no reason um yeah yeah great it's a cool scene. I didn't mind it. In I, I wanted more Megan, of that. I, think, I wanted I more like, of that no, kind on. of stuff in Megan. I, I didn't think Megan went hard enough, in, in my opinion. I mean, I liked yeah, it. Okay. It was fun. It was fun. It was I like when the robot ripped off the, the ear of the one psychopath. That was fun. Oh, that yeah. was cool. I wanted more of that, too. I just wanted Especially to in the I wanted more version. of that. You really see the ear getting ripped off. Yeah. It was fun, fun, a fun time at the movies. A fun time at home. I wanted more of that robot walloping on Megan. That was cool. That yeah. was awesome. I like that. It was like out of some kind of Transformers. You remind me of Deadly Friend by Wes Craven, who directed Scream. So we got to keep moving on here. What about real? What about Real Steel. That's what it reminded me of. Real Steel. Oh. <laughs> That's the real deal. Real Steel. I would is the rather real watch deal. Raw <laughs> Deal <laughs> or Steel. <laughs> okay. I didn't mind Real Steel because it starred uh, Hugh Jackman, star of Logan, directed by uh, Kenan. <laughs> and mind. Logan has as much like Freddy Krueger. James Mangold did direct Logan. Of course, yeah. James Mangold directing Indiana Jones and the Dial <laughs> Destiny. Hear all about it later this summer on our Patreon, which is, of course, patreon.com backslash Halloweenies pod. Speaking of Halloween, we see this character early on in Scream 6 going to a Halloween party. And that character's name is Tara Carpenter, played by Wednesday Adams herself, <laughs> Jenna Ortega. Uh, listen, I, I don't think they were anticipating this necessarily, but 
these producers and filmmakers struck fucking gold. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gold. To have her... Well, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing right now this might be a movie-to-movie basis. This is not some Marvel 10-picture deal. But to have this actor in these movies right now, especially right now, is just... It's a goldmine. Um, yeah, sorry, Rothman. I know you've watched maybe a little bit more of her than we have with, with the Wednesday and whatnot, but go ahead. Yeah, so I, I wondered about this. Like, if she's not tied to a contract yet for mm. the third one is this going to be like when you know your team the sons mm. got devin booker mm. and then all of a sudden he gets to renegotiate his contract and it's like well, i'm gonna get some more money and i'm gonna be a little bit more of a featured player um i wonder if this is gonna be the case for the next one or like uh yeah so you know you got me for two now you to for three let's pony up some dough and i you know i, I love i love melissa Barrera, but i, I want to be the the main star this time i'm not playing i backseat. think that long story short, n- n- let me play producer, Hollywood, Hollywood producer Justin Gerber for a second. They will pay her what, what they didn't pay Nev Campbell. I, I guarantee you that. They will, yeah. they, will, they will keep her around for whatever it costs. Mac, go ahead. Well, I, well, I think if you're signing on to a series like this, you're probably locked in for three films if the film's successful, right? Mm. Maybe. Uh, which is kind of like what they did with Harrison Ford in yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> you'll find all of Which that. you'll find out about uh, this in the end of this month on Fortune and Glory. All we did was talk about Indiana Jones the whole episode. Yeah, one star. Can't wait for <laughs> oh, that. Oh, boy. Lighten well, up, so we're, everybody. We're, we're laughing and joking, host. but like, host I don't care, but I am serious. Seal. Like, pay her whatever if she's not locked in because she's great. She's great. He, easily, her and Sam are now like my faves. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's go. You know? Yeah, Vanderbilt, you talked a lot. I know they, that the, the, the word family is brought up a lot in this, but how do you feel about the siblings here and, and how integral are they now to the movies going forward? Do you think that they, that they kind of have to be I, in them going forward? Absolutely. I, th- I mean, as much as I was kind of cracking wise about the whole family thing, it, the problem with the family thing for me was it's, it's a problem that, and I talked about it on Twitter when I wanted to stir up Finally, shit somebody's stirring up shit on Twitter. We found them. <laughs> about everything, everywhere, all at once, where that movie suffers from the same problem that a lot of post-Guardians Marvel movies do, where they, instead of making you feel something, they tell you how you Can't should wait. feel. It's perfect. And wow. yeah. I, think I think that Scream 6 makes those same mistakes with the constant, we're family, we're family, all the stuff we've been through. I don't think you need to do that because yeah. it's there. It's there. It's in the film. It's in the... I almost said celluloid, but I doubt no. that this was shot. On, There's actually on, a new digital company but called think, Celluloid Digital. <laughs> but like, as much as I talked about, we talked about earlier about how it doesn't take enough risks in killing people off. You can't kill these two off just, just yet. yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah, in the true. opening of the next movie and really subvert things. I, well, I think that's a great subversion. And then you don't well, talk about money. money. Maybe this so. is a Margot Kidder situation where it's like Superman three, and they're like, oh. Uh, I'm busy here while you go off to Smallville. Maybe Jenna's going to be like, oh, I'm calling for my trip to Europe. Sorry, I can't be around or something like that. Who knows what they're going to do. But uh, I have a feeling that those two are going to be front and center once again in the next movie. Am I the only... uh, Did I read too far into the... Oh, do you think Stu Mocker's actually dead thing? Do you think he's... I know this is... I think they threw that in there for a reason. I I I think they did too. They had a hint at it before. I mean, he got... There's no point... Because you're right, Dan. They've never mentioned that. Literally, which, yeah. which I think is very strange when you're thinking of like, okay, well, 
who could the possible killers be? Why wouldn't they ever mention him if he was in fact still out there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But to mention it now, there's no way they don't bring him back <laughs> in some <laughs> way, shape, or form. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be as a ghost. <laughs> I would love that. I would not mind that. What, what if they, what I have if no problem with the they do at all. Let's there go. There is for a it. salary issue with Jenna Ortega, and so for the next one, they they do just show her on a webcam, like, oh, I'm in, I'm in France. I'm hanging out with this new guy, and then it's just Steve's ghost <laughs> in the background. They never come back to it. Like that's, that's it. My new professor, just like just he, bright blue ghost. He's <laughs> like, hey, what's up, everyone? <laughs> that's it. Ah. They go away. I do want to say something about Jenna Ortega's performance, real quick here, though. Um, the best example I can give of her talents on full display is when you watch this movie again, everybody out there, is when they're hiding at the end of the row at the bodega when Ghostface is, is stalking. The look of terror on her face is so believable. You're seeing like the wheels spinning. Am I gonna, how am I going to get out of this? How do we get out of this? How do we get into this? I, I think she's a legitimate, not just a good like horror scream queen, but a, she's a good actor and i'm really this is just the beginning i i, I hot take i think she's funny too like it, it, like it just did that little uh promo that they did where she's in the refrigerator yeah. i was just really tickled That's TikTok by that. on right i thought that she was also very funny in the the opening scene when she's playing drunk i thought she did that quite well actually i bought that too it's hard These to do little, drunk well. little notes but it is hard to play you drunk well oh, i agree let me let me talk about that party scene for because that's one of my favorite moments in the movie, where she wants to go. She wants to go upstairs with that guy. Yeah, and, yeah. And all of her friends are telling her not to. And uh, later she explains that. Would you please just let me make bad mm, decisions? I thought that was interesting. And I, 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 I thought that was notable and worth talking about because, uh, you know, just because of the current culture. I'll just yeah. say it that way. Ultimately, she does not follow through with that because, right. because. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something else introduced here that I did not see coming at all, but thought played quite well, which is this kind of burgeoning romance between Tara and Chad, played by Mason Gooding. I, I actually enjoyed the chemistry between the two of them. I thought that whenever they I were having too. their moments were some of my favorite scenes of the movie. Uh, Mac, what did you think about Mindy and... I'm um, Not Mindy, but Chad and, and uh, Tara. I really liked it. I... Again, I, it was one of those things where I was like, I really, really, really love that. So when they killed Chad, <laughs> I'm just going to go with it. They killed him. Uh, I mean, they killed be, him. He will be dead Become the next movie. They, he, there were complications. But I, 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 I was really like, oh, man. I was really upset. But it also, again, it, I, thought, I felt like it, it, it would have given them that drive, right? Get, we could have given her that drive. But, uh, but yeah, they you know, didn't fall through with his death. But I really liked him in this film, and I did love those those scenes. I liked the slow roll out of that. I loved everybody teasing them and everything. It's uh, you know that felt very real, you know. Yeah, Mike uh, Vanderbilt, what did you think about this uh, this new uh, romantic coupling? I thought it, I thought it was great. I don't think we've had anything like that in the Scream movie. Yeah, in terms of like a, an ongoing relationship, besides Dewey and and Gail, I guess maybe. Yeah, okay, I guess so. I guess he had the Dewey thing, but that was consummated, sort of. Yeah, I, that's a good point. Movie. That was pretty quickly when they met. When they so met. It, they're kind of, I don't want to say dragging it out, but they're stretching it out for uh, dramatic effect, and I like it. And there's a lot, I, I think part of the appeal of the Scream movies, and it goes hand-in-hand hand with how we have the, the heroes returning just as much mm-hmm. as the villains versus a lot of the 80s yeah. 
slashers that we've covered is the soapier elements mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. it that I tend to enjoy. Um, I think uh, where this movie kind of falters is that maybe there's too much focus on the soapier elements and not enough on the horror. But I do feel like there's just not as much in this mm. one. Yeah, Caffrey, what do you think about that? It's a different kind of horror because I, I don't know, maybe this isn't the right way to describe it. I almost feel like it's the horror sequences are almost more like action sequences, which I enjoyed quite a bit. It wasn't so much lone stalker, you know, as the as the first scream. It was mo- these big elaborate. I mean, we've, we've used the word a lot, but set pieces, um, which I enjoyed. I and as far as their relationship goes, yeah, I mean, the closest I could think is like Jerry O'Connell and. Nev Campbell and Scream 2, but he's a suspect so early on that you're always viewing that through a kind of skeptical lens, whereas I I never thought Chad was going to be the killer um, for a second, so I think it just, there was a purity to it that was quite refreshing, and it did feel it did feel patient in a way that some of the rest of the movie didn't, and I think, yeah, once again, I agree with Mac, I think it would have been more heartbreaking had he had he been killed. Yeah, I mean, it would be funny the next movie, that he, it just opens on him in a hospital bed, he's like, oh, I got sepsis from my wounds, it's <laughs> it's the invisible killer, much more dangerous than Ghostface ever was. <laughs> Rothman, so does this, <laughs> Lord, does this coupling, once again, kind of complicate things, because, oh man, this is a really good, interesting way that they're going with these characters, but, yeah, you kind of have to kill him after that sequence, right? I mean, it gets that's when it gets complicated? Yeah, I, I, I don't know, I mean, for me... We are in such a sexless era, despite everyone thirsting every fucking minute on Twitter, mm. um, that like I, I just appreciate any sort of um, love relationship in a mainstream movie these days. I mean, that sounds crazy to think about, but like someone pointed out recently, they're like, hey, remember in Iron Man when like Tony's getting it on and you just see, you know, them having a sex scene? And it's like, oh, wow, right. 15 years later, that doesn't exist anymore in the Marvel yeah. Universe. Like, they can't even have any relationships. It's always just like, oh, they're married now. Cool. And they have all these, like, pseudo-Christian values that are all put over. Everything. I just like the idea <laughs> that we have a fucking couple that is interested in each other. Like, I, you know, because at the end of the day, that's pretty much, I don't know, part of the human condition. So I think being able wow. to have uh-huh. some sort of love gives a little bit more stake. So, like... I actually look at the opposite. I like the idea that there's a little bit more to than just being a core four family thing because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like in, it's like in a, <laughs> to bring it back to lethal weapon, you know, it's like when Renee Russo and Mel Gibson are together, you know, Renee Russo gets a couple of uh, shots in there, but she also gets subdued a little bit in part four. And it's a little worry that like, Oh, maybe they're, you know, maybe he's, he's going to lose his wife a little bit here. And I yeah. kind of, you know, I feel like that's going to happen in the sequels now. We're like, Oh fuck. Is is Chad gonna get hurt, or, or you know, and and what is that gonna do with Tara, like, or vice versa? So I, I don't know. It adds the stakes in a little way, and we're gonna probably need it now that we, you know, had some of so much of it blunted. In this, in yeah, this movie. I'm very curious to see where they go with that relationship going forward. Though yeah. I did think they had some great chemistry. Um. So then the last member, of course, of this core four, is Mindy Meeks Martin, played by probably the second most popular actor at this point in this franchise, which would be Jasmine Savoy Brown, who's also doing great stuff over on Yellow Jackets, which is also premiering the same month as Scream 6. So congratulations to her. <laughs> congratulations to her manager and her agent. Um, so once again, she's kind of the new Randy of the series. I mean, she is the new Randy of the series. I will say, though, she makes a very funny joke about Richie being the kind of person that uses letterboxed. I just, look, I use Letterbox all the time. I, I can take a joke, unlike some people um, on Twitter. But I will say, I'm just about 100% positive that Mindy would use Letterboxd. 
Absolutely. 100%. So if she's positive she doesn't, I don't believe that for a second. So I think that she uses Letterbox as well. Who, who does not think she's, she's using Letterbox? The way she talks about movies and she loves movies. I mean, come on. She's using Letterbox. I just need it to keep track of shit. I forget <laughs> what I watch sometimes. It helps for these episodes sometimes. Maybe she's using it the way I do it, where I do like one word reviews and, you know, I don't think But there's no way seriously. she does that. She's like I, Miss, I, Miss Movies, you know? I know, but I don't, I just don't know. I mean, I feel like there's two different types, like those that like are like want to get analytical about movies and those that just kind of have it as a lifestyle. And I feel like with her, it's more lifestyle. Like I, I don't, you know, maybe 10 years or five years ago, I would have been all over like the letterbox and really gotten into it. But like for me, I use it just because I, I just want to see what all you guys are saying. Um, and I also just don't want to feel left out, but I, but there's a part of me that's like, I, I don't take it too seriously. And I, I feel like she does maybe in a way, in that way, like maybe, or maybe she actually has a letterbox account and she's and she it's all just a front. Yeah, that's true. You know? I think that might be the case. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. That, but I, I, one thing I like about her character is that, uh, she doesn't see, I mean, she doesn't seem too precious about yeah. everything yeah. as far as. Uh, movies and stuff go. She does seem to have a good sense of humor about everything and about herself. So yes, she does have a letterbox, and that's why she's making fun of. And, and I will say, man, her post credit sequence, Chef's Kiss, I, I really like that a lot. Did you guys that stay for good. the end credits? Yeah, I, yeah, 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 but I thought I really, very much appreciated that because we at first when I saw because so. at first I was like, ah, man, a post credit. And then I was like, okay, that's it. Was literally like two I, seconds. I was, was, was kind of pissed off that Nick Fury didn't show up, or you know, that we didn't we didn't hear anything about whatever is it, Krang or you know what though? I will be honest. If if Samuel Krang. Jackson had walked by her talking in the end credits, that would have been pretty funny. I will. Yeah. I, that would have been my acceptance, even though I couldn't accept Jay and Silent Bob showing up in Scream Three. Yeah. Mac, any 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 comments though on uh, uh, on Mindy in this? No, I mean I'm glad that I'm glad that she's around, and I thought I thought it was I thought. What they were gonna do was this time it was gonna be her that you think's dead, and then she comes back at the end, and mm. it didn't. That's but a problem because I, I really do problem. like that character, and I, I, I feel like they weren't gonna kill her in this one because it would have been too much like the Randy thing, and you would have saw it coming a mile away. So I, I never expected her to die in this one. Well, so, I can tell you right now, I um, we can bring this up a little bit, just a little bit, is that when she was being stabbed in the subway, I did think she was gonna die. Mm-hmm. And this was after her girlfriend had died earlier. Mm-hmm. And I think that and I, ha- I had my head in my hands because all I kept thinking about was the, the discourse around the, the kill your queers movement. And you, there was, once her girlfriend died, I knew that there, you could not kill her off in this movie mm-hmm. because that would have become a, a topic of discussion. And that would have, I think, taken away from the rest of the movie. So... When she lived, as much as I kind of wanted somebody to die at some point, I did kind of have a, I did breathe a sigh of relief because we were, they were able to avoid that uh, that kind of negative trope. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but I will say, pe- I think I missed her that? hair. I missed her hair. I missed the big hair. Yeah, yeah so, I'm so used to her now with the short hair. So I think that's her. I think that's her just playing real hair. But um, yeah, here's the thing: if between the two Meeks Martin siblings if they mm. were going to kill anyone if you're doing a parallel or at least a pseudo parallel to scream two which they kind of do because you know at one point sam you know pushes aside her her lover or you know for lack of a better word uh danny is like no i can't trust you yada yada which is a lot, a lot of the same thing with what sydney does with jerry o'connell you know jerry o'connell still dies and it's tragic and and she has the necklace and all if you did want to pay homage to that you could have killed chad 
and then that was something that she keeps at her mm. in her heart, yeah. and that's something that that kind of certainly informs where Sydney goes, um, you know, in the next one. It, 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 you know, I'm glad again that he's back because I loved I love Chad, but yeah, if if you were gonna you know try to keep the parallel there, that is one argument for you know how they could have killed him because I I will say they're you know him dying in front of her eyes is is pretty. Um, I don't know. Like I, I was reeling from that. Like in the moments after that, I remember you know? thinking it was that he was still in on it. and It was fake initially. Like oh really? A, okay. Like that was like that was like a theater effect. It was almost like with Randy. Like oh, Randy's definitely not dead, right? Like no, yeah. he's dead. Um, yeah. but because uh, I couldn't believe they killed him in that moment because it was so cruel and right in front of Sydney. You know, I I don't know if we will get to talk about it. I, it's something I've been thinking about since the screen. One, I think my favorite moment in the movie is watching the two ghost oh. faces attack chad was, yeah and it made me it made me wish that we had just look you always know there's going to be mm-hmm. two right if they had just let us see two ghost faces in action for the whole movie because it's one of the most darkly comic bits in the thing and then when you learn that the two killers mm-hmm. are brother and sister it makes well, and, they wipe that, the, and I liked how they wipe the blade at the same time too. I like that. Oh, a lot. it's 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 it. Uh, that was one of my favorite moments. This, I, I I'm looking forward to seeing this again because I want to see yeah. that. Well, that with was audience because even the critics went nuts, and you know how they. <laughs> and that's be. a callback to the original idea for Scream Two because there were supposed to be two that attack at the very end. Um, I think it was mm-hmm. supposed to be that what did they attack Mickey maybe? Um, in the original script, I can't remember. We'd have to go back to it. But there's a couple different. Ones, I know Elise Neal was originally supposed to be one of the killers. Her, yeah. her friend in the second. But movie. there was in the in the backyard in one of the scenes. It was supposed to be um, you were supposed to see two of the killers, and mm. that was like a, a first. Um, so in a way, that's almost like a spiritual homage to that as well, which is yeah. kind of clever. But I want to stay with the character because I, I think we need to spend some time on the subway sequence, which I actually thought was really, really well done. And mm-hmm. shot out between the both of them. It kind of reminded me of Mike. You mentioned Collateral Damage earlier, directed by Andrew Davis. It reminded me of the back and forth with the fugitive CTA scene at the climax of that movie. Um, like I'm doing like director speak now. You know, oh, you know, yeah. you know, Captain America: Winter Soldier is a lot like Three Do- Three Days of the Condor, but or a lot like Collateral, not oh, Collateral you know, Damage, but yeah, Collateral the movie. Yeah. That's true. Um, dare I say, was even a little De, De Palma-esque. God help us all. At least in the current state of ADD cinema. Um, let's, so let's talk about that sequence. I mean, I thought it was really, really, really well drawn out, I, I thought. Maybe Did you guys scenery. notice they had like a lot of horror icons in that sequence too, which is oh, pretty boy, cool. Yeah, yeah. Like they had <laughs> Shining Twins. Jackie, I didn't see that. Are you serious? They did a decent twins, list yeah. of who's in that scene. Uh, there was uh, Michael Myers. Um, mm-hmm. He sure was. He with sure a better looking scene. mask than half the hell. Or was that Corey? Oh, oh was it Corey Cunningham. <laughs> he was Corey Cunningham. He, the, the he mask, lived and went to New York. The Myers mask in this is better than probably 75% of the I agree. <laughs> I thought the same thing watching this. I was like, couldn't Steve Miner or somebody in, in 1997 have grabbed this mask? 1998 grabbed this yeah. mask? All joking aside, excellent sequence. but. <laughs> <laughs> for yeah, real yeah, very fun you know what but um the and here's a problem that i had with the movie is we praised five cream so much for holding so much back in the marketing so by the time mm. we get to the yeah. subway scene in this movie it's a big kind of i it's just all right like yeah. you've seen it you you've essentially seen the it's whole the house thing again right eggs yeah, yeah. exactly 
Exactly. That 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 being said, though, I still think just in the grand scheme of things, if you showed this to somebody in ten years who didn't remember the trailers, I, I think it's really really right. well just directed. Yes. Period. I think I'd the, say the it's, way it, they drew that out. Not the all timer out of this movie, I'd say. No, surprisingly. Not. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Look, yeah. we talked about this in the fifth episode too. I think the Rio Silence fellows are really really good directors. Yeah. You know, and I mean, they've really only made what this. They did something for Southbound, I think. They've done Ready some VHS stuff. They did Ready or Not, but I'm I, yeah. I'm very curious to see what they end up doing with their careers. I'm I'm fifty fifty with that because I don't think they get very good. I don't think they get good performances out of all of them. Yeah, well, I'm saying in terms of the, the visuals, in terms of what they can do as action yeah. directors, for that matter, what they're capable of. I'm really curious to see what they do. Um. Anything else on the subway scene? Anybody else want to talk about that? I just like the light, the lights flashing on and off. Mm-hmm. I, I know it was all blown in the trailer, but I mean, they used it in the trailer because it is such an effective scene, <laughs> to be fair. I mean, well, I we will say the it. only. But they never top it. They never top it with something bigger than that. Mm. Like, if you're going to put that in a the trailer, they should have had something. Well, I, don't I think know what, the big, the big thing that you don't realize in the, in the trailer is that they're on different subway cars. Different subway right? cars. Different, That's true. Different trains. So, you, you, I think. In in the trailer, you're thinking, well, of course she's not going to die because they're all right there, right? Mm-hmm. But then you realize, oh, she's on her own with a possible suspect, you know? <laughs> so you're like, what's uh, his name again? Uh, not Quinn, uh, Ethan, right? Ethan, yeah. I'll remember his name one day, I promise. No, I don't know. No, okay, don't. next character though, we're outside the core four, so we got to talk about Gail Weathers is back, played by Courtney Cox, and this is nothing to do with performance. I, I don't know exactly why she's in the movie because I, I, they present the whole thing about oh the characters are expendable we gotta get Gale but she lives again and then otherwise once again well done sequence I thought that sequence in the apartment is pretty damn good oh, it's also featured prominently in the trailer for a reason mm-hmm. but she's fine after all that she, once again she's just I fine if, I don't if you get have, it if you have Gale in this movie I did like the line where she's like Sells Sydney he didn't get me but in that sense, I kind of wish she had like taken herself out before he could get to her or something like that. As she a fuck you to Ghostface. <laughs> it's like South Park. Like, like no, like Corey like, Cunningham. As a fuck you to him, like not gonna give him the satisfaction of doing what he did to Dewey, right? Like mm. she's already dying or something, and she just like jumps off the building or some shit. I don't know something where it was like she takes agency over her own, like controlling her own death. Yeah, because. Why else? What else? Why are you in this movie? This in this because they had to retcon your whole sweet ending in the last one, that was, you know, hard to hear. Just to get her in this movie to do what? Just to be another person that we, you know, and 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 I guess I don't know. I guess this, this all boils down to to the killer situation again. If the whole point of this is really just to get Sam. Why are we going out of, out of our way to kill other people? No, yeah. because they're leaving the masks at the scene of the crime. They're working their way down to one. That made sense. Uh, all right. <laughs> That's why it's the way it I mean, was. I mean, yeah, but then again, I guess we're just saying, yeah, so right, they I are guess. fans of horror? or like, No, they're or fans. It's all tribute to, to, to Richie? It's the real, the real killers. Yeah. And it's all leading back to number one, I, which I is just, I, don't know. I, I agree with you, Mac. And I, there, it's, it's, a tribute to, it's a tribute to yeah. their son. Or well, it's just family. the whole backwards spiraling of her arc is the where egregious, the most egregious part of it because it's just so like 
it's to to use your line always mac it's like what are we doing here like i i just it just it's so pointless to me like you did it already in two and in three and in four and in five it's like oh my god we get it she's always gonna chase the story but like you 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 made it so goddamn definitive in the last one and with both of them and i get it like you're in new york she works in New York, so maybe that's the reason why they felt that they had to get in there in addition to having a legacy character. But you could also argue, well, maybe she quit the fucking reporting uh, thing altogether right. and is not in New York anymore. And that would have been fine, too. Like, you already have Kirby. So you, that could have been it. Like, that maybe that's like... Do you like, know yeah. what this reminded me of? It's like uh, the Michael Fassbender, Magneto, and yes. all those movies. Oh my where God, every movie yes. where, where Charles is like, Matt and I talk about this all the time, where Charles is always <laughs> like, Eric, there's good in you. I know there's good. I'm like, this motherfucker just killed a million people on a bridge. It's over. And every movie, it's always like, Eric, we must unite. We, we've got to show people. I'm like, it's too late. He just dumped a fucking stadium on a parking lot. I mean, yeah. he's a killer. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. It's like, it's done. We've established. It's like, it's like the, the inverse. Okay, Gail's great. She's a great person now. She's learned her lessons. She's a human now. We're done. But they, every movie, it's got to come back I, to the same fucking beats. I don't get it. I mean, hell, man, if you want you know, to just get her in there for a cameo, have them watching the news and she's like yeah, doing sure. a spot or something, yes. do that. That would be great. great. Yeah, 100%. I wish the Radio Silence guys listened to our show because they could have taken my idea of them calling her up and her saying, nope, that would have been time. great, too. And I know Another it's, shout it's, out we're entering to, to the old. Hey, it's, it, you know, we're talking about what didn't happen as opposed to what happened. But let, let, let's give ideas. her the... Um, she could be, speaking of X-Men, she could be like Logan in first class. We're just seeming a bar real quick. Ways to get the fuck out of here. That get great, the fuck great, out of yes. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Oh, that's there a great you scene. You know what's also a great scene with Logan? Real steel. titular Logan, uh, directed by James Mangold, who is going to be helming Dial of mm-hmm. Destiny June 30th. We're going to be there. I can't wait. My fedora is dusted off, and I am ready to hit the sunset what's with the, uh, what's, what's it called, that show that's coming out? Fortune and Glory. It's a great line from Temple of Doom, which we'll be covering next month. But this month, we're covering Raiders. And get ready, because uh, you know the, the, all bets are off. That's our new tagline. All bets are off, by the way, is not uttered once in any of the Indiana Jones movies. But we're going to run with it and see what happens, see if we can do something with that. Okay. I, I will say a, a positive note about Gale, even though it's once again retcons everything. It doesn't make any sense. I do like how when the killer is on the phone, basically making fun of her, her boyfriend or her lover or whatever, whoever that guy is, she totally dismisses him. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Well, doesn't even warn him like, "Hey, maybe don't go down the hallway because yeah. the killer's probably in the no." But the park. fact that she says, "Yeah," because he goes, "All those muscles were for nothing," and she goes, "Yeah, you're right." I thought that was pretty funny. That was good. That's that was very good. good. But, look, Courtney but Cox is. It's who is this character? I thought we. I thought she's different now, or I don't know. It's, he wasn't in the last no, movie, was he? Oh, come on. No, she's got to get some nobody. She's got to get laid. Come on. Yeah, exactly. I agree. She's with in the biz. Well, I'll tell you who he was. He was someone they needed to get killed because no one else was getting killed. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, he's the third person dead? Uh, oh, man. Uh, just about. I, I just think about. you're right, Mike, because mm-hmm. Quinn doesn't count, obviously, because she. Uh, I guess her boyfriend we don't see in the shower. Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll go through this later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the fifth person. All right, now the next person is the peep, is the person that a lot of fans out there have been waiting over a decade for to return. And it was teased in Scream 5, and she's back. It's Kirby Reed, played by Hayden, Hayden Panettiere. Um, I will say I was surprised by how much of this movie she was actually in. This was not some glorified cameo. Like She really was a member of the cast. So, mm-hmm. uh, Rothman, I'll ask you this question. 
will Kirby stands be satisfied? Sure. I mean, you know, she, they, uh, she gets to be the hero through and through and mm -hmm. um, get some funny one-liners in there and callbacks to the, the past movies. And, um, you know, sure, they're going to love her. I mean, I, 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 for me, she shows up. It's the first moment of the entire film when I'm, I'm kind of taken out of it for a second because it just mm. feels a little like I'm so invested in everything else that's going on that's not part of the, the past that when she shows up, I was like, oh, yeah, we're got to do this. Mm. Like, and so that was me where that. But all, all in all, if you're a Kirby fan and you love Scream 4, I, I think that this is, you know, this is definitely the natural trajectory for her. She was always going to become an FBI agent. And, um, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. And she's all the crimes. And, um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I love that they do mention that. It's like, what are you, 30 years old and you're an FBI agent? It's pretty, that's pretty funny because I, I don't know, it's, it's pretty fucking hard to become an FBI agent. It takes a lot of fucking time and, and effort to become part of the, 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 the bureau. But hey, you know, more than just analogy. Yeah, exactly. Well, that so. was her entry. It was like, I don't know, you know, who was the I killer in the first Friday 13th? Mulder and Scully, you know, but, uh, but at the same yeah. time, they weren't, they weren't, well, Mac, cool you make a good point. As Kirby yeah, went, in this. He, Kirby is, very cool looking in this yeah. uh, fox fox Mulder trained at oxford and uh you know dana scully went into multiple universities no hold on though yeah because a, scully was and, uh, guys, wears scully a was only i think she was only 26 years old in the first x-files season it's true which is yeah. Yeah. And, and i guess this would be the character of kirby's 30 years old so it, mm -hmm. it plays it's okay i i got it i it's it, it works i think i i do agree with and mike i totally believe it should be an fbi agent i do agree with mike though when they they're not performative about the entrances of certain people except for old cast members. Yeah. And, and, mm. um, and I didn't really, so I wasn't thrilled about that. Like with Gail, it's the same thing when, when Gail shows up and then also, but I guess they, they've always done that. But, I, but again, this is kind of becoming its own thing again. Mm -hmm. So maybe just drop that stuff, you know, it like feels you can have marble. her be in the movie, but don't be so like mm. precious about when she shows up. I agree. I do. I, I enjoyed her horror conversation with Mindy. Yeah. When, what's the best Elm Street? They both said the original, which I do agree with. I know not everybody here agrees with that. Uh, they said, what's the best Friday? Mindy says part two, and Kirby says the final chapter. I don't agree with that, but hey, shout out to part two. You know what I mean? And part four, for that matter. Yeah. And then they both agree that Psycho 2 is underrated, which I also uh, heartily agree with. Very underrated movie. And who wrote Psycho 2? Uh, our boy. Tom, Tom Holland, Holland, who of course directed the first Child's Play, will be back with the Child's Play franchise in May, we promise, and we'll be concentrating on the, on on the rest of the year. glory. No, no, no. <laughs> on the main feed, no, 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 returning. That, no, no, no. Let's hope that doll's wearing a fedora. Because That's right. <laughs> I hope um, there's an Indiana Jones Chucky in the next season. <laughs> I've been trying to go on AI stuff to generate that, but it always comes out like he, he, Chucky at the factory in part two. And because, he's sm <laughs> because he's small, he can just be running from like a ball of yarn or something instead of a boulder. Oh, he's, an, he's, he's a new short round. <laughs> he's short and he's round. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, but I, I think the whole movie, I was like, oh, the, the Kirby stands will be extremely I, satisfied. I will I, say I this. Think, I think that will be a fact. When, and look, I'm... I'm not anti Kirby. I we talked about this in the Scream Four episode. I'm just not. To me, she wasn't like a breakout character. I mean, I, for, mm -hmm. I if I'm being honest, I, I didn't really find there to be any breakout characters from Scream Four except for the uh, for the one of the killers. Um, I did enjoy how they brought her back because we talked about with 
Gail just doing the same thing over and over. I do like how they took her to a different place. And as far as if Kirby stands, will be satisfied. No joke. Is like Max said, as soon as we saw her with her feet up on the desk from behind, like the whole theater cheered. And I, I, I'm such an asshole. Like I kind of hate that kind of thing anyway. <laughs> you know, like yeah. Um, but uh, and but you know, you do actually get to see her be a little bit different in this movie than she was in Scream Four, which I I admire. I admire. Like if you're gonna bring a character yeah, back, show them have growth. There. You know, give them a journey, and she definitely had a journey. So yeah, I, I liked her inclusion in this movie. Yeah. And I also did really love the misdirect where he's like, she's not a, she's not a FBI agent. She, you know, da, da, da. that's why I knew he was the killer. We all looked at each I, other like, and, and yeah. I genuinely think we all kind of were like, oh my God, are they actually doing this? Uh, Justin and I were literally like, please God, let this be the case. That would be cool. The fans yeah, would, would lose cool. their shit and it would uh, it'd just drive me nuts. I, I will say, I think we're totally dismissing the, the scene when they, they pan to the left of Kirby and John Krasinski's. <laughs> oh, okay. Richards. All right. Let's. We're moving on here. We're moving on, Mike. Jesus Christ. The next character. I even finish the joke. Hey, God I didn't get to it. talk about. Oh, Kirby. Listen, we've had five people here. I, I, I was bound to lose track eventually. What do you think about Kirby? <laughs> Fair <Vanderbilt. laughs> She's all right. She's she's all right. She's okay. You did make a fucking comment earlier. You're talking about being in the FBI and everything else. You're talking about that earlier. I remember that vividly. <laughs> I haven't totally lost my mind. Well, here's somebody who didn't have a, a, a real chance at love, you know, and definitely didn't survive. I can know that for damn sure. Devin Nakoda as Annika, uh, Mindy's girlfriend in this movie. You know, you don't get a lot of time with her. I, I'm sure they're in love. That's not the point. The point is that this brings up what I think is Mike Rothman's favorite sequence of the movie, which is... Oh, yeah trying to cross apartments via ladder. So, Mike, if you want to go ahead and, when we, and, and talk about that. Yeah, when we saw that ladder appear in the trailer, I knew that this was going to be one of those, like, moment scenes. And when I mentioned, I tweeted over the weekend, I, you know, I tried to treat it a non-spoiler thing. I was like, all right, see this movie in the theater. But also, like, this, this film has a lot of uh, sequences that are on par with, like, the police car sequence in Scream 2, which is still one of my favorite moments in a horror movie in a theater where everyone was just, like, holding their breath and wondering what's going to happen. This latter sequence was fucking great. And the way that they set it up with Danny living across the street, doing the fucking rear window thing almost in a weird way of just, like, kind of trying to scream, like, and seeing what's happening across the way. I just loved it. And I loved the merciless, the merciless payoff. Like, I mean, it is fucking brutal. Not, not only does she fall, She's like falls in front of her lover and then hits her fucking head on the goddamn like dumpster. It is so brutal and so mean. And like, that's what I'm talking about. It's like that after that sequence, I was like, I had like, I needed a fucking drink. And it was like, it was like, holy shit. And like, that's where I was like, "Ah, I wish the, like in hindsight, when I'm looking back at those other sequence that sequences that are similarly iconic and similarly um, high concept. I'm like, man, that's why you need those payoffs because they fucking make you remember it that much more. Um, so this is the that, that's like an all timer sequence for me, and this is an all timer death for me in this. Yeah, it's. For sure. I think we both looked at each other, Mike. I'm like, oh Jesus Christ! But yeah. um, I, I wish we away. had. <laughs> I wish we had one more scene with Mindy and, and Annika together, though. I wish we had one more scene of them together because I think that would have added a little bit more to the the reaction. Um, just to get a little more of an idea of how long they've been together and and to kind of further that. Because the rest of the movie after that, because Mindy's clearly affected the rest of the movie. She is really like on edge and she's very, you know, paranoid about who the killer is and everything else. So, but I mean, go. it's the most, I mean, I, not to beat a dead horse, but it's the most 
arguably the only notable character death in terms of, for lack of a better term, the good guys of the movie, right? Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, you're right. You're um, right. You're right. But it is a good. Yeah, that's that. I I love too how we just see the the uh, Quinn's boyfriend killed in the tub in the middle of it. Also, like all, all it's mm-hmm. kind of a, a good escalation throughout that whole that whole sequence. Yeah, I agree, Vanderbilt. What about you? What do you think about that whole sequence? And uh, it re- it recalled a death in a movie that I absolutely hate, uh, Puppet Master: The Rule of Strike. Seen that, <laughs> Thomas Lane. Yeah, I'm still a fan. But doesn't somebody fall out of a window and into a dumpster? Or like, like it. it the point I'm trying to make is that this was so there much you go. better. Than, That's the, than, our hot take. Scream 6 is better than Puppet the, Master. The Puppet Little Strike right. is definitely on a Halloween bingo card. I feel like we've that's come up too many times now, or it has to be well, on a bingo card. Vanderbilt always attacks it. It feels like we're like in a, a mirror universe, like in Star Don't, Trek. Where people, I can't believe like, like I'm the one that likes though, right? it, and Vanderbilt hates it. You think it would be the opposite. Like <laughs> It's incredible. I'm, Matt, I'm a... Yeah, anyway. Yeah, first of all... Little Strike, Mac. Yes or no? <laughs> no. Hey, I, I've said I liked I liked the Little Strike. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. All right, what nah. do you think about this sequence, though? More important. Uh, great sequence. I had really kind of hoped that as soon as Danny was able to get someone on the ladder, that he was just gonna push it out the window, and that he was oh. one of the ghost faces. <laughs> but they obviously didn't go that route, or that the ghost face was just gonna push the ladder out the window and. And that's how they were going to fall rather than shake it. But I still thought it was an incredibly intense sequence. And uh, I don't know. We were all kind of discussing, do, do you think you could do it? Do you cross you the ladder, yeah. Cross the ladder. I actually, I'm, I'm going to sound like such a pompous dickhead. No joke, watching that, I was like, oh, I would get across that really fast. Like, I, would, I was like, I would have no problem <laughs> yeah. doing this. Yeah. Those are steel ladders. Those are pretty tough oh, ladders, yeah, I will say. They're going to work. Correct. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't there a scene in Judgment yeah. Night that is similar to the I think somebody falls sequence? in that too, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah. I think yeah, it's um. Right. Uh, what's his name? Uh, it's it's, it's Jeremy Chicago Pugham. guy. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that would be funny if Ghost. The twist in the next movie is Ghostface starts not referencing horror movies, but just regular movies, just like non horror thrillers. Movies. Oh, like God. yeah, like like he's doing the death. He's like. He's like, oh, have you ever seen Judgment Night? <laughs> we're, we're it was one of the first soundtracks to combine rap and rock. Um, okay, for this next character, I have a little bit of a bit here, and I'd like to introduce it this way, is that a couple years ago, Martin Short was on stage presenting Steve Martin with an award. And one of his jokes he said was, um, you know, whenever I go see a, a movie with Steve Martin in it, and I'm watching the movie, the first thing I think of is, boy, is Steve acting. <laughs> and that's how I felt with uh, Josh Sagara as Danny Brackett. A Brackett, by the way, of course, Lee Brackett is a character uh, yeah. from Halloween. Danny Brackett. Um, uh, this writer guy. For, uh, Empire Strikes Back. Who the hell is Danny that? Brackett is the love interest for Sam that she's secretly seeing. Oh my God. This guy is so intense. Like, I gotta rewatch this movie. I kind of love it. I feel like it. we're gonna be, I, we're I gonna be commenting liked... on this performance. I actually really enjoyed. I thought him. he was so uncharismatic. <laughs> I'm you. And, well, okay, be I, fair, Vanderbilt. Before we before we dive on this guy, Mac, you said you actually enjoyed it. Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. I enjoyed. I actually enjoyed it because I feel like everybody else. A lot of the other characters were milk toast. It like the two killers, right? They weren't. They didn't really have a very good shtick to them. Mm. And maybe they were purposely doing that so we didn't think they were the killer, but. It was almost so over the top that I, I really truly believe that he was a good guy. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> you know I, what I, I mean? Like, oh man. I mean, if he ended up being a bad guy, it almost maybe would have made up for it. But I mean, I don't know what was going on with this with this performance. I mean, I've been pretty positive all the performances uh, so no, far. I, 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 but I was know. like, li- I was trying to be respectful in the theater. Hold on, hold on. I was trying to be respectful in the theater. <laughs> but I really was like. Whew. Like I, I don't know, man. This is a tough performance for me, Mac. You're so you're pro, but but you, you're pro Dermot Mulroney's performance, which is well, he's over the top killer. It up too, of course he is. He's the over the top killer. But this guy is like on another level. I know, but I think that they were doing. I think that was on purpose, right, to make you think. Well, maybe he is the killer. Because it, it's, he's so it was extra. very intense. Um, I need this guy to tell it down, <laughs> Caffrey. You, I, I haven't talked to you about uh, Danny Brackett. What do you think? Dan, I'm telling you, Danny Brackett. I think it's. Do you think it's Annie, Annie, and Danny? Annie oh, Brackett, there you go. Danny yeah. Um, yeah, I enjoyed oh, it. Sorry, I, 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 I apologize. Hold on, I gotta say it like this. Dan, Dan, what'd you think? Oh man, Jesus what'd you think Christ. about about the performance? Huh? What'd you think about? It? All right, you be all right. It Wait, what are you referencing? Sorry, no, that's I'm doing the guy asking you a question. Guy. Like, <laughs> like when they have to like, leave, it's like, no, this is a smart thing to do, but I love oh, this. Is good. Like, this is okay. This is going to be all right, okay? Yeah. Like, I thought you were doing You know, down, You know bro. who you remind me of? You remind me of, um, what was that show? Oh, Bloodline. The, the partner that was like uh, Linda Cardellini's love interest in a little bit. Like he comes oh, in all yeah, the time. Yeah. Every time he came in, he was like, he was dokes in, in, in Showtime's Dexter a little bit too. He was just like, how always had a chip on his shoulder, but like, like a little too on. It was just like, it's like, yeah, I know you, I know your brother's up to something. You know, it just like always is like talking really low to, I, I feel like I know people like that. So yeah, I liked him. It didn't. I, uh, I don't know. This guy's on a hundred. I, I think it just, it I, had specificity to it. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, well, you know, don't Marola, Marola, I can't say his fucking name. Dermot Mulroney has specificity, but because he was, because he was the killer, the over the topness bugged me a little bit. Because Danny wasn't the killer, I I just enjoyed it as a fake out, and I just liked the specificity, and I just I found it funny also. So. I like reminded me of Shane in Walking Dead too. Like yes. everything was just oh, like absolutely. everything, every every line was. No, no, no. This Don't is the end of the day. This, the, this is my like career. This is the moment. That. Hey, I, I'm gonna I, let me say one good thing about his performance, okay. Justin. I don't want to betray you completely oh, no. on this one because I've. I do believe that he would have that ladder. Oh, I, I agree no, too. I believe in that. I yeah. do agree. Yeah, <laughs> He's totally. definitely a ladder in that. He probably had two guy. of them, like a step stool um, too. Uh, anyway, God, listen, this guy's got more money than I'll ever see in my life. He's going to be just fine with me making fun of him a little bit here. Here's somebody who I would never make fun of on planet Earth. Samara Weaving as right. Laura. Now let's get into this because let's talk about the beginning of the movie. Rothman, go ahead. Okay. I, I, the, I came home after we had our lovely lunch at uh, the Wolcott Tap. Um, and I, and I, and I said, and I was thinking for a second and I, and, and I, and I turned and I go, you know what? The opening character of the movie I just saw might be the dumbest character in the entire franchise. <laughs> Elaborate, and, and, I, and I, like, think about it. Like I get the irony that she teaches slasher movies and does all the theory, but, and I talked to Jen about this, Jen Adams, um, mm-hmm. also in the Losers Club, frequent guest in here. And we both agreed, like, hands down, some of the stupidest choices, just even for, like, a human being. Like, okay, so you, you, you're in this major city. You are going to go down an alley. You, you, it, it just, all of the choices felt so, like, perfunctory. I, like, th- th- and I get that the irony is that, like, oh, yeah, she knows Slasher, but you didn't, treat, you didn't follow the rules or whatever. But, like, just as a human fucking being, you're not going to go down the alley. And you're not going to make those goddamn choices. And you're not going to certainly run towards it. Like, it just, it all felt too, like, 
um, it's either that a it's very perfunctory or b this is hands down the stupidest character we've seen in, in the entire franchise i think it's i do think it's fringe in a way for us to just go back to the old days of of these movies and say don't do that don't do that don't do that though i, I think that I that's just, what it was. I, I, I bet it's too perfunctory for me in that case yeah. it just it just, because it's like then don't make her the fucking professor or something like that because yeah. i get that i get the joke and i get the irony but it just felt so like even when, after she sees ghostface she stands there and she's like ah. Oh. Like, what are you doing? Like, all of it just was so, like, I don't know. It just didn't I think seem... it's because she can't believe it's really happening. I, yeah, I guess. That, I that, that, that was my reason behind it, I think. Either way, my, like, when I'm looking at, like, dumb choices in this franchise, hands down at the top of the list. Oh, yeah. I'm, oh, I, I'll agree with that. I, like, yeah. It didn't bug me so much because I do, sadly... There are a lot of stupid people out there. <laughs> and I feel yeah. like you can't, you it's have to show, you do have to show that there's some, but the only problem, and I agree with you, Mike, is that if you're going to do that, don't make them a professor of horror tropes, just, right? In yeah, a horror yeah. movie. Because then you're like, wait, you, you, you of all people, right? But like, yeah. Uh, that's, I, I'm with Justin. That's yeah, it's a it's fucking stupid. stupid joke. Then I, I, I just think it's <laughs> too <fine>. obvious. <laughs> it just doesn't like add up to me. Like it just feels a little. It, again, perfunctory is the only word I can think of. All right, hey, let's talk about one positive about this. Let's talk about that. Dress yeah, I, I think I think we were all the men because and women of the screen of the screen. We were all pretty much in agreement on that. I think to go back to the Giallo point, like one thing that Giallo movies have that I appreciate about them that draws me to him is that they have sex appeal and everybody else in this movie looks like they're wearing okay a potato i don't sack. agree with that so i appreciated <laughs> uh samara yeah. weaving's dress I'm just it was a bright green which is definitely in those italian giallo movies giallo yeah, excuse and, me and, giallo and, movies I samara sure weaving is absolutely using you know tinder and all these apps and stuff like that to, to the hey it's a it's a tough world out there <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean yeah. uh what's the, isn't there one for famous people what's the uh like Ben Affleck's on it, and so it's like a Tinder for. Or he was on it. I don't know if he is anymore. Um, is no, he? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> if that's the case, then I don't know why they're letting me on Hinge. Um, <laughs> well, because you're the co-host. Oh, of that's the right. Halloween that's right. Podcast, and eventually the co-host of Fortune right. Glory, an Indiana Jones podcast, coming on Patreon. Can't wait. Can't month. wait. I, listen, I I was I thought that she, even though she was obviously just the first person to be off to the movie, I thought that the phone exchange in the bar was. Quite amusing. I thought she had I some thought that was funny, funny yeah, bits there. Like her really sides were funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that I'm sure we all called that she was absolutely going to be the first person killed in this movie, and I think that we were all proven 100 yeah. right. There was no subversion there. She was definitely going to be. Well, dead she was first. like the last added to the cast. I feel like too, right? At least the um, last announced, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was one of those things where I actually thought for a second that maybe Ghostface was going to come out and that she was going to kill him. And then that was the subversion that it was going to be someone killing Ghostface from mm. right. like cult or whatever, you know, but, um, because she's pretty, I mean, in the horror community, at least, you know, a, a bigger name, but, uh, yeah, they didn't go that route. <laughs> so. They did not. Hey, yeah, they referenced her character in the subway, um, from Red. Have we all talked about Samara Weaving? Caffrey, did you, did you mention anything about her yet? Yeah, I mean, I. Um, it's like I said before. Maybe the stupidity didn't bother me because up until we started following the killer, or he got unmasked, mm-hmm. I was like, "This is kind of an unremarkable opening for a scream sequence." Like yes. the the opening of every other movie is so good, and I was like, "What's the game here?" And so I, I, I think maybe it was meant to be a little bit of a fake out. Um, 
Because once we started following, um, well, this let's lead into this. Then. Yeah, go you ahead. Can talk, yeah. It's, you can talk about it's Tony Revolori, Tony Revolori as Jason Carvey. Go ahead. Yeah. With the opening. I man, I. It's funny because on one hand, it's very cool to see Ghostface kill a killer, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I would not have minded if we just. I, I really thought for a minute, I'm like, whoa, the game of this movie is we're gonna we're gonna know who the killer is right off the bat. That's, I thought the same I thing. I thought that would have been cool. I thought same. that would have been really yeah. cool. Um. Now, granted, had we done that, we wouldn't have gotten a lot of the great sequences we've already talked about. But, but then once again, the kill, having him get killed is also a, a an interesting thing. And I, yeah. it's so tough because it's one of my favorite openings of the series. But I just don't think it got capitalized on as much as as it could have. Because even I like where he where um the real Ghostface is on the phone with the sisters, and he's and he's like, "Oh, you should be thanking me. I killed the person who tried to kill you." And I'm like, "That's cool too." But it's just, mm-hmm. ah, it was a lot of false expectation that didn't get uh, followed up on for me. Mac, do you want to rebut against that or? No, agree? I was just gonna say, like, I recognize Tony's voice immediately. I don't know, I've just seen him in a lot of things, so I thought that was cool. That I was like, "Oh, that." I thought it was gonna be like a voice box or something, and he, you know, because they've done that too, where they've faked other people's voices or whatever, but. Well, yeah, when he took the mask off, I was like, oh, man, is this going to be how it is? So when he was on the phone, I kind of thought, well, we know he is one of them, but we don't know how many others are there are, right? Yeah, so that could have exactly. been the mystery through the movie, was like, how many are there working with him? And it could be anybody in this group, right? The cult thing, which would have been cool. Yeah. you know, obviously they didn't go that route, but I, <laughs> I actually really liked the opening uh, uh, I, but I agree with Dan. A, At first, you think it's kind of unremarkable, but then it, it I think it doubles down and it goes there. That's a good point, Mac. I was also thinking because they did plan to see this kind of network, possible network of, of copycat killers and ghostface. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. If they if they explore that more in the sequels, I'm all for it. I, there is enough yeah. groundwork laid here, not just with his character, but with the excitement about subverting something that... Maybe, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know. But like, what happens if Nev Campbell works out with him again, or do we just get Sydney? I, I guarantee they'll probably have her back if the contract and the figures are right. But like, yeah, I don't know. It, it was both rewarding and frustrating to see him in the movie and use the way he was. And it was also the thing of oh, we're gonna take someone who's relatively famous compared to a lot of the other cast members and um, have him killed in the opening too, right? Which is sort of keeping in line with. Well, Casey this is what I'm talking about. So, yeah, yeah. Vanderbilt, did it? Did it ultimately work for you? Or was it too, was like a half and a half situation? I was just mad that it didn't make good on what I thought the promise no. was going to be. And I, I think that's echoing everybody's statements because I said, oh, finally, they're getting rid of the whodunit mm. thing, uh, which I don't think that's integral to make a good yeah, stream movie. true, true. In fact, I almost kind of think it hampers it at this point because when the reveal does happen, and that's something that we've discussed, it is ultimately just a little bit disappointing. And I don't think they're ever going to have a reveal as good as the first one was. Although I'd say even I still four think four are the pretty good reveal. I, mean, I, I really did the way they, you know. That, that's that's. I mean that that's taking that chance though. That's taking yeah. that risk, which I appreciate. Um, Rothman, do you want to comment on this or the opening? Yeah, or just, the opening in general. I, I yeah. thought the opening is great. I mean, like once you get past, I agree that like they do make it so that it's this sort of easy opening you're like oh that's it and then you kind of follow in i i loved all that and i loved the whole stalking of the killer um ultimately they don't make good on just what that does to the whole of what ghostface is in this which is sure disappointing but as an opening it's great i mean i i i think i thought it was enough of a subversion where i was like oh okay 
yeah, these are, it, it just goes right into, it feeds into the, the, the idea that like radio silence is having fun in this, in their sandbox. Like they know mm-hmm. this sandbox through and through and they know ways to make it different. Like I remember when we got into four on whatever that unglamorous night when we went to go see it at Webster and I was just like, Oh yeah, that seems sure. Okay. Oh, the opening cool. zooming out of another movie and zooming yeah. out. Of another, it just felt so lazy. Whereas like, and even like revisiting the cotton weary opening here, that I, I, cause I was watching through you a little bit again today. And I remember just being like, yeah, they killed a, a main character in the, in the first one, in the first opening here. And I guess that's different, but even that felt like anticlimactic, and- anticlimactic in a way. Whereas this, like it, it, the blast too, like with five cream and this, they're very inventive and they go back into like the first two entries of this, of this franchise where like, you know, it is a set piece and they are something that's, very, there's a lot of singularity to them. Um, so I, mm-hmm. I, I was just all for it. It got me into the movie for sure. I, I thought this was the best since the second movie. Yeah. By far. And, and I understand what everybody was saying about the disappointment that they didn't maybe just follow through with us following the character of Jason throughout the rest of the movie, or at least for a while. But when he took off his mask, I, I couldn't believe it. I was just totally yeah. blown away by that moment. I really was blown away by that moment. And, and right, sorry, honest, but right after that, nope. and we just follow him for a while. It's, it's got to be the longest opening of them all, right? It's got to be longer than the first one, even. Second one's pretty long. It is, but man, they, it's but I think this is so longer. Long. Yeah, but so then they're setting up. Oh, this is what's gonna really the movie's really gonna be about. He's gonna be a killer, and other people are gonna be the killer. Whatever. I understand the disappointment of that, but I will also say how great that line of. Who gives a fuck about movies is I know which, which then you says the words out of my mouth fuck this killer and also in a way fuck all of you for thinking that we're going to go in this direction almost and I thought that was really fun and I, I thought that landed so well and that and that did pay off for me in that regard it did pay off if you really look at the, the crux of the movie is that it, these people don't give a fuck about movies it's all about the killers that we've been seeing in the movies yeah so it's meta in that way and I thought that that was supremely effective I mean that was ready to go at that point um i am excited to watch it through that lens and once again it's like i said before in the last episode i do think it's a little bit of a cheat because yeah they're not obsessed in the movies but by default they kind of are because we're obsessed with the movie they're in if, if that makes sense and because yeah. they were leaning so much into their son's love it all of gets movies. kind of confusing Imagistically, it gets what's real what's in our universe and what's exactly. real in their universe i, how, I get that I get but that. however I do, I do wonder if that for lack of a better term, true crime arc will be more satisfying rewatching it through that lens and knowing yeah. now who the killer is. So I'm, I'm excited to see it again. Um, well, there's only one more character who is actually really... We'll talk, let's talk about him briefly. It's Dr. New York Stone. City? Dr. Stone, yeah. Dr. Stone, played by Henry Zerny, <laughs> who is the, the therapist. I oh. thought the refrain... I don't know if you picked up on this, but when he's watching Invasion of the Body Snatchers and he gets to knock at the door... As he's approaching the door, you can hear Invasion of the Biosnatchers in the background with Kevin McCarthy continuing to say, You're next! You're next! You're next! And of course, he was next and he gets stabbed in the face. I thought that was a pretty funny uh, bit of... Did it remind you of the uh, principal death scene in the first one? For some reason it did. I don't know why. Like just this stately guy getting off. Yeah, kind of unceremonious. Yeah, it was was good. He he had the right level of over-the-topness and... Subtlety for me. I actually liked him a lot in this role. We should mention that and Henry Zerny and Samara Weaving, of course, were both in Ready or Not by the Radio Silence folks. That's why I think he's in this for a bit role. Mac, go ahead. 
No, I was just say that that death made sense to me because they're, you know, again they're like trying to like frame up. Yeah. Melissa Barrera's character, mm-hmm. and they stole the file and all that stuff. But like, so yeah, I guess I guess in that sense, it does make sense that they're killing some all these random people if they're trying to pin it on her, right? Yeah. And the bodega is um, the same thing. They leave the mask behind and everything else. So yeah, 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 it's, yeah. it's all it's all a big setup. And yeah, I love Zerny. Anything else on, on Zerny? Anybody else looking forward to seeing him in the new, next Mission Impossible movie? He's back. Oh, can't wait. Yeah, he's back. It's uh, Kittredge. Kittredge, yeah. Mm. And I hope he's not too upset. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, Jesus. we talked a lot about this in the past, but and we're going back to Scream. And even for the Scream series, we would keep going back and use the great graphics line from Freddy's Dead. For our, even though we're talking about Scream, we still kept doing the Freddy drop. But we figure since this is a this movie's kind of a, a new franchise, it's a it's a it's a sequel to a reboot to a requel. So we wanted to kind of change it up this time. So this time, we're gonna be calling the special effects section for this film. Great graphics. <laughs> what do you know? A beat my score. <laughs> okay, so I, I think I want to talk a little bit more about the settings itself. By kind of already talked about that with the subway and how that, that, that was actually set in the soundstage with a, basically a working subway car. I think the violence, even if a lot of it might be, I mean, I'm assuming a lot of it is CGI. Once again, just like the fifth movie, looked pretty damn good. You see a lot of shitty CGI blood or fake blood movies these days. This looked pretty good. I don't know. What do you think about this one, uh, Mac? Uh... No, I I thought the effects were, were really good. All of the brutal blunt kills were believable. Um, and the non kills. In the non kills, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I I bought all that. I I don't think there was anything that stood out to me like where I thought, nah, this doesn't look this doesn't look right. Mm. Um, even some of the really like gory, straightforward kills, I wasn't like picking it apart like in screen like in five cream when uh, the knife goes into the face mm. um it's so just shot of that like even though it looks pretty good you can still tell it's not real but i feel like in this there i didn't feel like that i felt like i, I think a lot of it's hidden sold. by the shadows and the darkness yeah, too yeah. i think that helps and the fact that those knives are going in and out so quick and obviously not hitting any major arteries as well. I think that also played a part. Fernando, what do you think about the special effects in this? You've seen a lot of really bad movies with bad special effects. <laughs> um, yeah, and CGI blood will never look like real blood. Never, I ever. Just, I understand why yep. it's done. Uh, you know, Justified used a lot Good. of FX. CGI blood, and it frustrated me, but that's... That's television. It's because they don't have enough setup. I thought the effects were good, but I feel like I'm getting desensitized to mm. the stabbing in these movies. And I think it's time that, you know, let's get Ghostface with the flamethrower. Yeah. Like in <laughs> the true. short clip from one of the stab films. Like, let's, let's get some more inventive kills because obviously everybody's favorite that we've talked about is the ladder. Yeah. And it's because it's and hell he's stalking them with a shotgun, which was definitely at first. Yeah, like yeah. that was that was cool. That was cool. Maybe that's yeah. literally what the end game was. Of I'm not like any other ghost face. I'm gonna use a shotgun through a lot of these the sequence here. But where's yeah. like the garage door kill? Okay. You know what I mean? Like they, I like when they get creative with the kills. And it's not just the, the well. Stabbing. To be fair, they're not trying to emulate any movies. They're just trying yeah. to kill these people. 
when you have to have like actual kills, you have to have people dying. To, that That's true. Answer, you know? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> well, Caffrey, what do you think about the, the effects in this particular? No, film? I, I, did, I did like the effects quite quite. And I'm I'm teasing. I, it did, the movie did have a good number of deaths. So it's not like no one died in the movie or something like that. But um. But, you know, I don't think you can do a garage door kill for, like, the guy at the bodega. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not, like, like, the, be- <laughs> like the dog door or something like that. It's like, yeah, hey, like what that, are you doing here? When, I mean, just because bodegas uh, don't have garage doors, except when they get locked up at night, you bring down the metal shutters. Tell me more about and- the city life. <laughs> I want to hear all about it. <laughs> but, but more because, you know, are you going to give this elaborate death sequence to someone yeah. you barely uh, spent time with in the movie? But as far as the effects themselves go, yeah, I mean, I... I Look, the stabbings get better with uh, with each movie. Um, the I, I don't I don't know if they quite reach the level of five for me. I think five still feels the most brutal, but I, I did mm. like the effects quite a bit in this film. Yeah, Roth and I I think we both looked away at the same moment, but I remember when um, the character of Annika when she hits that dumpster, and you see her face after that. That makeup is also pretty effective. But what do you think about that scene? Any other special effects stand out to you in this one? I actually didn't even see the face because I looked away. I think we both looked away so quick. Yeah. I, remember, I caught a glimpse. At the moment, yeah. I, w- I looked away um, during that dialogue about Sydney. I was like, oof. Yeah. That was pretty brutal. That was pretty brutal. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of great graphics all throughout this movie. Um, and, uh, you know, what can I say? I, d- I didn't grimace too much at him. Um, you know, I... I, I I think we're at the point now where the only thing that's going to be egregious to me is if you have like CGI blood or stuff like that. And like, mm-hmm. I didn't really see too much of that here. You know, I, yeah, the thing I about saw... the screen movies, which we've talked about too, is the fact that when we talk about quote unquote best kill, it's that these other slasher movies have got these over the top crazy kills and the screen mm-hmm. movies aren't really known for that. So, no. you know, but congratulations on the special effects either way. I felt like some of those people were kill- being killed. In ways, maybe I shouldn't have. Maybe I should have thought they were all going to survive because half of them did. Um, better luck next time, killers. Speaking of killers, though, from what I've read and heard, uh, movies make psychos more creative. Stop it, Billy, would you, right? I can't take any more. I'm feeling woozy here. All right, so this is going to be best kill. And this is kind of complicated because, again, not a lot of people are killed in this movie. Of note. But I, I still think that the beginning, the, the, the pre-credit sequence with Laura being killed, it's not necessarily the kill itself. It's the reveal of the character Jason underneath that mask. That's the kill that I remember the first and foremost when I think about this movie. And I probably will in the foreseeable future. Uh, but Rafa, what about you? What do you think was the best kill of the film? Oh, it's Anika. I mean, it's going to be yeah. that that whole sequence. Like I said, all timer for me. Like when I bookmark, when I have my JPEG thumbnail of this movie in my head, it's going to be that whole ladder sequence. Mm. So, yeah. Caffrey, what about you? Yeah, same. If we're talking about the kill itself, it's the ladder sequence. If we're talking about the emotional effect it had on me and the um, surprise effect it had on me, it would be the the um, the very first one. The the yeah, more yeah, like I agree with you, Justin. The reveal of Jason. More so than the actual death itself. Also, I'm actually just thinking about this now too. I'm wondering too if because Jason was kind of a copycat ghost face, almost like a lame ghost face. I wonder if that's why they made the death so nondescript as well. Mm, like there's almost true. patheticness about it. So yeah, but yeah, definitely those two hands down. Vanderbilt. Uh, Chad, even though that's it's the not complicated a death, thing. Yeah, that would have been but, a great. That would have been the best kill, probably. 
but watching the two Ghostface, like I've been, I've thought about it. It's lived rent free in my mind since Saturday morning. Watching those two ghost faces go at him and then wipe the knives together and then you know go after uh, Ortega. That was just it. It felt yeah. different. It it felt like a different kind of ghost face as mm. they advertised in the trailers. Mac Gerber. Uh, yeah, my, for me it's the latter. Um, and second. Is the um, Sam killing the Dermot? Oh yeah, yeah. Sam killing. Uh, oh, yeah, that's good. With that final stab, I think that. I, I, yeah, and I was trying to think of five cream if we if we gave that gave her her due because in the I watch along, did. I really was like, whoa, <laughs> she really goes for it. It gets to the point where you realize that these movies are still at the end of the day tongue in cheek and sometimes knife in cheek. But um, <laughs> when you're laughing along with it, you don't feel like a total monster. I There's got to be a critic, a critic who's used that before, right? We'll I would pray to movies. God. I'm, yeah. I, lo- I love that. the way that Sam like really throws her arms yes, back when she's stabbing. Really it's so cool. Lands it's, it. yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Mike, I do have a question for you, though. Mike Rothman, I've got a question for you. You ready for it? Oh, yeah. Go for it. Well, do you like scary movies? <laughs> Is that the best you can do? Because Billy and Stu were much more original. Let's round robin this. We're going to be talking about, real quick, the, the references that are used here in Scream 6. I will start off uh, on Samara Weaving on her Instagram. Believe it or not, I do follow her on Instagram. She pointed out that somebody is dressed as Grace from Ready or Not on the subway. Mm-hmm. And you can see there's a, there's a woman to the right, and she's got the, her back to the camera. And that's supposed to be her character from Ready or Not. I thought that was a nice little nod. Um, Rothman, what do you got? Uh, two tied to the Adams Family. Uh, there's the Adams Family dolls. They're in Henry Zerny's office, if you look closely oh. off to the side. And then okay. Tara seems to be wearing a Pugsley shirt in the very beginning. Oh, I don't so. think I picked up on that. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Caffrey, what did you get? you get anything? I, other than the obvious ones, but I can't remember which character it was. In the beginning, there's someone who looks over the apartment stairs, and it looked like Halloween. The the same shot that Corey references, you know, when Michael Myers is staring at Jamie Lee Curtis over the mm-hmm. over the uh, staircase. But who was it? Was it Danny? I think. I honestly don't remember that part. I know, like it's in the beginning. I remember I clocked. I'm like, oh, it looks like that looks like the Corey Cunningham, you know, after he's killed the kid. Um, I'm pretty sure it was meant to be a reference to that. But now I'm I'm, I'm sure. It's, if you're listening, I'm sure you'll remember who it is, uh, someone out there. Um, I'm trying to think of other... I was trying... I, I know I joked about it earlier, but I was trying to clock on the subway all the characters because they were the big obvious ones, obviously. But, like, I thought I saw a Georgie balloon and, like, you a did. yellow yeah. slicker. There's a Georgie um, balloon. There's... You did. I thought I, th- I saw... I thought I thought a putty cat on there. Um, I thought I saw a... Uh, Sam from Trick or Treat, but I don't know, though. Yeah. I'd have to, like, go back and... I, I feel like that's going to be... That's there a lot of fun to pause. I, mo- most of our movies, I feel like the Easter eggs are so lazy, right? But I, mm-hmm. this one did have, a, that, that, I think because the subway sequence was so good, it was just, yeah, there's a lot of fun to be had. Maybe the wolf mask is supposed to be Peach Fuzz from Creep. I'm not sure though. I it think was. that was supposed to be yeah. Peach Fuzz from, yeah. from Creep actually. I do think that was the case. Is that, there's a number of them. They're all listed. I think people have already listed I them. Think, on, I'm sure. Online, yeah, so. on Reddit. Yeah. Um, Vanderbilt, what about you? I'm going to hang my head on all the, the Giallo yeah. nods. I, I, I can see I that too. Would you say even not anything specifically, though. But I am going to say I'm disappointed that uh, that uh, who who was the name of the character that got killed in the beginning of the first Ghostface? Jason. 
Jason did not have a Halloweenies poster. I know, yeah. He, he his, we hate movies. He had a We Hate Movies, though. Yeah, We Hate Movies and Last yeah. Podcast, but come on, yeah. guys. And we, Dan and I have interviewed the Last Podcast guys on the Losers Club. So, we have, uh, yeah. And I interviewed the We Hate Movies crew uh, in person at the Golden Golden Apple in Chicago. Well, uh, I have a good feeling, guys. Stream 7. <laughs> They're going to be going to a Halloweenies live recording. And that's going to be the whole crux of the movie. <laughs> Someone's going to get killed. That. It's, Someone's going to get killed in the bathroom. They only the kill box. us. The, the, main, the core four live again, but we all die. Actually, that'd be really funny, actually. <laughs> We're, it'll, it'll be like uh, in Texas Chainsaw, the remake, where you see Harry Knowles' as severed head. Oh, but, uh, God. Be, uh, one of, one of our great movie. horror movies. Yeah. Okay, I've got, I, I've got I, a few I like more. Mac, but Mac, what do you got? I, you like anything, Mac? I like it. Well, I was just going to say, I think the... I think it's the lack of references, right? Like, like because of the the fact that they're not again, they're they're more paying homage to the the serial killers or the killers in the stab True. films, probably. Like the only references you really get are the museum, which is direct references to the Scream films, mm-hmm. and then and then the like ridiculous amount of references on the subway car. But I really didn't pick up on a lot of, you know, unless it was like filmmaker references too right you know yeah. um i didn't pick up on a whole lot mike what do you have well, there's one that we haven't mentioned which is pretty obvious was uh jason is watching jason takes manhattan yes oh yeah yeah, yeah. and his, his last name is carvey like carving with a knife oh. maybe yeah. and his first name is jason too exactly yeah. I that was <laughs> like jason Voorhees. Um, <laughs> um there's a moment in the movie when i saw the reference i immediately looked over at mike vanderbilt assuming he also saw it he did not oh. The name of the bodega in which the in which right, Sam right. and Tara are attacked is called Abe Snake's Bodega, and Abe Snake, of course, Mike Mike Vanderbilt. You want to explain that again? Well, I I truly hope Justin that this was my influence. It was because you you've brought Abe you Snake you. as much as you've brought up Puppet Master of the Littlest Reich <laughs> on these episodes. But explain who Abe Snake is. Abe Abe Snake was Wes Craven's nom de porn. That he used when he made adult films in the 70s. Uh, one of the best being Angela the Fireworks Woman, which if you can track it down. If you're a fan of Wes Craven's work, it's it's really cool. And it delves in a lot of his themes of repression and religion. And I think it's a, a really well-made movie. But yeah, I'm mad at myself. I can't believe you missed that. I was that. mad at myself oh, all God. day, Justin, for not Unbelievable miss. Um, during the flash cuts of Subway Passengers, I caught that one of them is of... Tyler Gillette, one of the guys from Radio Silence. Oh, that's when, cool. When there's a quick cut of all the, the, the masks on the train, it's a quick cut yeah. of him sitting down. I thought that was a fun bit. Um, something else I picked up in the cast listing is the full name of Henry Zerny, which is Christopher Stone. Does that name sound familiar to any Stephen King fans and Halloweenies fans out there? He's, uh, he was the late Christopher Stone from The Howling, right? He was yep. D. Wallace's, D. Wallace Stone's. Is, uh, yeah, uh, Christopher Stone. He was in Cujo and The Howling with yeah. his wife. Good actor. Wallace Stone. I, I'm wondering if that was the deliberate nod. Cancer or a heart attack or something? Or? He died really young. He died, yeah, he died shortly after Cujo, I think, or the, maybe 1990 or something. Yeah, that's it. Um, there we go. Any other references? Or? Uh, Billy um, Loomis. I'm sure there's oh, a Billy, Billy Loomis. Loomis. I mean, Billy look, Loomis Invasion of Bias on the TV. We talked about that. And I'll tell you right now, I'm looking forward to revisiting this one and seeing what we might have missed. Or f- 
seeing if I caught anything else that Vanderbilt should have absolutely caught and, and blew it. I mean, I mean, maybe. they're <laughs> you blew it. The, it. The whole thing is just an homage to Scream Two. I mean, the the fact that it's set mm. in college. There's the parental flip that we talked about before. The entire white van and the fact that they reference that even oh yeah, Brandon's death. Oh, this um, one ends in the theater where that yep. one opens in the theater. Yeah. Well, it well, all yeah, that ends in a theater too. Ends in a theater too. Yeah. And like yeah, you know, yeah. even with the multiple ghost face on the train, feels a lot like the you know the opening in the movie theater. Kirby being shot like early on feels like when Gail shot uh, at the end of uh, you know part two. Well, wait a minute though, um, Mike. Does this mean that the next Scream Seven is going to be the new worst Scream? Oh, well, you know, <laughs> depending on who you talk to. I know, uh, depending who you talk you to. Know, sometimes, um, um, look, we've talked a lot over these two episodes and I think there's really only time for one last Randy scare. said the killer's always superhuman yeah well he wasn't superhuman Dewey he wasn't superhuman at all so this is when we give our final thoughts and I'll tell you what I'm just going to go ahead and lead this off um, I'll, I'll say for Scream 6 I was never bored during a two hour horror movie which is impressive in its own right. More impressive is the fact that it's a slasher movie. How many times we talk about some of these movies that are 90 minutes that don't work because you're somehow bored by them? And I was not bored by this movie at all. And it may seem like I'm setting the bar low when it comes to this, this type of a, this, this subgenre that is the slasher movie, but I just don't treat these movies on the same scale as I do drama, comedy, or... Um, and Richie and Vanderbilt, forgive me, a prestige horror movie. I just want to be scared <laughs> and or grossed out. And overall, Stream 6, it satisfied those requirements for me. There were some really intense sequences that, we've, that we went over ad nauseum, some really creative direction in the movie. And albeit they do get slightly dinged by some Grin and Barrett reveals, as well as what I feel, and which some people would disagree, but I think that the story too often serves the characters instead of the characters serving the story. Uh, still, I look forward to revisiting it and seeing what the Radio Silence folks or whoever else takes charge gets up to next. Fingers crossed. Ghost Stu versus Sydney for part seven. <laughs> so I will give Scream 6 three ghost face masks. Is that what we're going with? <laughs> we already forgot. Yeah, ghost yeah, face masks. Ghost, yeah. Three ghost face masks out of five. Mike Rothman, what do you got? Oh, boy. Um... Okay, so I mean, look, I love what Radio Silence is doing with this series, and mm. I'm I'm here for the new characters and the fact that, like I mentioned earlier, I was jonesing to reunite with them, and did not care about any of the old references. Really does speak to their ability to, I don't know, conjure up the sort of magic that the original series had, you know, and like we live in an era where like callbacks and subversions are like always the big hook, and that's just not the case for me here. Like I don't. I, I, I need those things, but ultimately I really want to be hooked by the characters. And that's, I love the reunion as I talked about in the Scream 2 episode. Um, the expansion in New York, a lot of fun. I think it warranted a lot of uh, hold your breath, uh, clench your seat moments, as mm. I tweeted about last weekend. Um, all of which scream, pun intended, as we've been doing puns all night for the theater experience. Um, and I know that we've been talking about them pulling your punches, but it does, you know, for the most part, everything does check out narratively. You know, even if I don't always find it titillating, I can't fault them for their narrative choices here. You know, and 
the only issue is, is what we just discussed for the last three hours and two episodes is that they, you know, they duffered the stakes. Um, you know, maybe give them, a, give me one death, you know, Not, you can't get the full core four and also the leg- legacy characters intact too. You gotta, you gotta take, you gotta get let go of one of them. That's my only issue. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I guess I got to strike off at least one ghost face mask for that, but I love this cast. I love this core four and given the teases, I'm sticking to my theory. I'm sticking at Sam's rage. I'm going to say the mask is calling to her. And even with that subtle stew reference, I'm hoping and praying that seven is our Halloween ends. The one that goes big, it swings big, it's badder, it's wilder and crazier. And, you know, so that's my hold. That's the hope I'm going to hold on to. So I'm going to go, fuck. I was going to go three and a half, but um, I think I'll go four. Four ghost face masks. Oh, wow. And right. oh, maybe I'll go three and a half with a little subway ticket. I, I, it's, too, it's so fresh in my mind. It's hard to do these ratings because I always change it. But um, hmm. three ghost face I'll masks. Go three and said... I'll go three and a half. I'll go okay. three and a half. I'll go three and a half. I think it's better than three. I think it's better than four. And right now, I don't know. I'd have to revisit five, even though we just did on Monday. So um, not that bad for a six sequel. You know? uh, it, yeah, I would agree. You know? Matt Gerber. Yeah, just gonna echo echo y'all. I mean, I just think for me, the reveal isn't always everything, right? Uh, the movie is incredibly, incredibly entertaining throughout the entire time, and uh, I really enjoyed that. I was really, again, there really was a moment where I was thinking, is is do I like this better than Scream Five Cream? Um, I was really enjoying it that much, but. Um, unfortunately the yeah the main kills just you know and it wasn't even that they didn't kill him like we said it was the fake outs right it was that they do get brutally stabbed a few times and then like they didn't die um that it gets knocked down for me and then just the absolute logic of there's no way (laughs) no one would know or not know any of these three people that it just it baffles me unless they were like Unless Richie was pulling a seven and burned off his fingertips, and they, no one knew who he was when he died, who he really was. You know what I mean? Uh, so for me, it's getting three ghost face masks. Um, I still think it's, it's it's above four for me because I think I gave four three as well, but um, it's on the higher higher end of that because it really was entertaining, and I actually really do want to see it again, even mm. with all the criticisms. I just think. It was a great time of the movies, and I have been so hungry for that for a long time. And the fact that the Scream films are giving us that again, uh, it makes me want to go to see it in a crowd, which mm. is is huge. So, yeah. all right, Matt, uh, Mike Vanderbilt. You know, uh, anybody who listens to the show, and you guys all know that I've never considered Scream Two really amongst my favorites of the franchise. Uh, and in fact, although the series has had an ongoing run of quality, I mean, all the films are good to great, right? It's always going to be that first one for me. That's that when I think about putting on a Friday the 13th or a Nightmare on Elm Street, I, I have to consider the sequels, but not so much with Scream. So the fact that Scream 6 is so reverential to the first sequel disappoints me. And the reveal of the villain of the father of the killer, or at least one of them, rather than the mother, it didn't do it for me. It felt too much. But that said... I feel that Scream 6 at times makes good on the promise of Scream 2 with its bigger location, stronger themes of family and revenge, 
But then, on the other hand, Scream 6 doesn't follow its own rules of the franchise, where it appears everyone is safe and it doesn't take enough risk killing off legacy and new characters. Like Samantha, you've got to let go, eventually. Radio mm-hmm. silence. Uh, and despite the major set pieces being quite tense and effective, two of the best, the bodega and the subway, are undercut because of their prominence in a trailer, which is something we praised the previous film for not doing. I'm just going back and forth on this because I had let these thoughts rattle around in my brain for three days, debating with myself, like, where does Scream 6 land within the franchise? And I landed on, overall, it's pretty good, but not as cleverly executed as 5 Cream. I'm a victim of my own high expectations. Not everything can be Halloween ends. <laughs> three ghost faces out of right, five. So you said three out of five. Okay. Uh, Dan Caffrey. You... And I'll know where it ranks in my franchise ranking after I watch it a second time. Because we, may, we may end up doing another rankings episode. Didn't we do a stream rankings episode? Yeah, we did one. There's never enough content out there, folks. So get ready for that. All right. <laughs> Caffrey, you're the last to see it. So you give us a, a, a close it out for us. Yeah, I... It's funny because when I think about sitting in the theater and watching it, it really wasn't until the ending that things kind of deflated for me. I felt like I was guessing the whole time. It felt exciting, even with the, a couple of the cringe moments with the dialogue about Sydney, the superfluousness of Gail Weathers. I was still really with the movie. But then it's tricky because the killers get revealed. The wind gets taken out of my sails a little bit. But then that sequence was so good. Like, it was a really satisfying action climax. And we, I really love where the sisters ended up at the end. There was so much visual ingenuity going on in that final sequence, too. So I still left satisfied. And then I kept thinking, you know, there's been a lot of screen movies at this point. Maybe I'm just not so into the reveal of the killer anymore. Maybe the big speech at the end is just not where the money is for me, even though it's become kind of a hallmark of the series. But then that made me think about, well, yeah, you're right. And that's why I wish they had just stuck with the killer early on or just leaned into that reveal. But then I go back and forth again because I think, well, I I could see them, like you guys have already said, planning something for the future movies. And I'm sure there's a dry erase board somewhere in Hollywood that has all these different spider webs of possible directions the franchise could go in. So I by no means let the less than stellar ending and reveal the killers um, completely ruined the movie for me because I could see myself liking that later on depending what they do with this series and they did plant mm-hmm. a lot of seeds for them to to you know, root for later on so like you guys I'm kind of back and forth on like it was an exciting watch I could see it growing my enjoyment of it growing with rewatches but it didn't just ha- it didn't have like that perfect kind of scream formula that um, that you know five and some of the other ones did and then I say formula, I'm like, what up? But I want surprises, but there's also certain things I want out of the movie. So anyway, I'm just rambling at this point. I, I think I'm in the middle of the road with this one as well. Uh, I will give it three and a half uh, ghost face masks. So we're all pretty close in our ratings so, so far, right? Three. I mean, three ultimately, we were all positive on the movie. I think yeah, we gave yeah. like around three point uh, I, th- I feel like five. it was more negative than I usually am, but it's... There's also so much expectation that goes into a screen movie because it's not just, oh, I want to be scared, right? Like with Friday mm-hmm. the 13th, they were like, oh, I just want to be scared um, or see some cool kills. With Scream, there really is this whole universe of logic and there are the rules that we talk about and everything. Yeah. So I think maybe it's just, I mean, it's just harder to make a good screen movie, even though it has been one of the more consistent horror franchises. Like you said, I mean, how many good six movies of <laughs> horror franchises yeah, are there? I mean, it's because we like the some 
we enjoyed it so much that we are being so nitpicky because it was very close to being on par with five cream or better. Exactly. Um, that's why well, I was really coming I think, down on some of those issues, but yeah. It's funny because for me, I, I, I landed on Scream 6 the same place I landed with Halloween Ends. But it's just that I thought that Scream 6 was going to be a little bit better, and I thought that Halloween Ends was going to be awful. So that's just how it works out sometimes. <laughs> kind of you know what I mean? well, and I think, too, with the Scream series, I mean, it's, it's a horror movie that's really made for fans of horror movies, right? Yeah, I mean, you yeah. could say that about any horror movie, but it's like a horror movie about horror movies. So I think it's just always going to breed a little bit more nitpicky of a discussion, whether you're a critic or not, because it's that's just sort of the style of the movie. That That's what draws you in. That's how the characters talk. That's how people talk about the characters in real life. So, yeah, I think the discussion is always going to be a little bit deeper diving than with yeah. some of the other slashers out there. I agree. It's a complicated series, and the reason we cover it is because it's we we like it, and it's extremely popular. And like I said, I'm sh- I got a feeling we will be doing this late summer, fall of 2024 for Scream 7. But we'll see. We'll, we'll know soon enough, I feel. Uh, let's give some little outros here. Uh, anything to report, Mike Vanderbilt, on your end? Uh, I, I don't know. It's almost That's different. a great point. Real quick, <laughs> Mike Rothman, you want to run off what we got going on in the Halloweenies for the rest of the month? Yeah, I mean, if you uh, didn't like our shameless plugs all throughout the last two episodes, uh, here's another one. Um, we have Fortune and Glory uh, coming at Patreon hot. We're going to be talking about Raiders Lost Ark. It's the first of four episodes dedicated to the Indiana Jones franchise because we thought, hey, we've been covering horror for five years or six Mike, years. Mike, sorry, so it'll be five episodes. It'll be five, yes, because we got the, the, we're co- covering the first four that are dedicated to the first four movies and then obviously ending out with Dial of Destiny, which hits theaters June 30th via Disney. So exciting. Yeah, I mean, we are deep in the weeds of research for that, so that'll be good. And then next month, uh, we're not going to Chucky. We are going to be talking about Evil Dead, which is mm. wrapping up another, wrapping up technically our season from last year. <laughs> we did it. Which is it's crazy. the eyes wide shut season where it just it kept really, going on. And never ended. It just it's just so wild, yeah. So that that'll be exciting. We got a lot of fun stuff for Evil Dead that's tied to that, and then mm-hmm. yeah, we're back with Chucky in May. So. Yeah, we're back with Chucky the rest of the year. Yeah, with the movies and the show. So a lot to look forward to. And again, on that Patreon, in addition to Fortune and Glory, we got so many audio commentaries and coverage of other non-franchise movies or franchise movies of franchises we'll probably never cover in full. Be sure to check that out, please. Uh, guys, this has been a lot of fun. Obviously, these can be kind of taxing on our, on our backs, on our vocal cords, uh, sometimes on our spirits. But I'm happy to do this once again with the four of you. This is once again very rare that the five of us do this at the same time. So this has been a lot of fun. And what can I say? We'll be, be right, right back. back. This is the end of our show, for now. We hope you enjoyed this production. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, and more.
Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out, and we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now. Every town has its dark history. Hometown Ghost Stories is a paranormal podcast that goes town to town all across the globe, exploring the world's most haunted places, tapping into the dusty archives and the darkest corners to bring you the most terrifying stories of real people and their harrowing experiences. Hometown Ghost Stories dives into the history of haunted locations and investigates why and how these places earned their terrifying reputation. Rob, Dave, and Jesse go live every Tuesday night after an uninterrupted documentary-style breakdown on the case, followed by an open discussion with live viewers. Subscribe today to listen to Hometown Ghost Stories on your preferred podcast platform, or watch the video version on YouTube and now Spotify. Head on over to the Bloody FM Podcast Network and check out Hometown Ghost Stories, if you're brave enough. (laughs) 